The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Let's talk about baseball. Welcome, everyone. Happy Tuesday. I'm your host, Daniel Port. That's right. I'm back, baby. Sorry about calling you baby there. I just get excited sometimes. We have so much baseball to talk about today, so we're going to jump straight into it, beginning with the injury news and notes from yesterday. The Baltimore Orioles announced that Kyle Bradish made his third rehab start on Sunday at AAA Norfolk. He struck out six over 4.2 innings while allowing two earned runs on four hits and one walk. The Boston Red Sox announced that Rich Hill will likely begin a rehab assignment on Wednesday. Enrique Hernandez could resume swinging a bat on Friday. Michael Waka threw live batting practice on Monday. And J.D. Martinez was named day-to-day with a back injury, and so he did not play on Monday. We'll have to monitor his status for Tuesday. The Red Sox are hopeful that Christian Arroyo will begin a rehab assignment early at some point this week in his attempt to come back from a groin injury. And Trevor Story swung a bat on Sunday for the first time since sustaining a hand injury that landed him on the injured list. Lastly, Josh Winkowski is likely to return from the COVID-19-related injured list to start Tuesday's home game against the Guardians. For the Astros, Jake Odorizzi left Monday's start against the Athletics due to an undisclosed injury. For Kansas City, Salvador Perez will begin a rehab assignment at AAA Omaha on Tuesday. Bobby Witt Jr. was not in the starting lineup on Monday against the Angels with a hamstring injury, so we'll have to monitor that for today. For the Angels, Shohei Otani was listed as day-to-day as he suffered a bruise above his knee during Monday's game against the Royals. And for the Dodgers, Justin Turner was listed as day-to-day with an abdomen injury. He said that he felt better while taking part in pregame activities on Monday, and they think he could return to lineup either today or Wednesday against the Nationals. And Chris Taylor was cleared to run on the field Monday, so hopefully we'll get some good news on him soon. For the Marlins, John Birdie hit in the cage and ran recently in his attempt to come back from a groin injury. Garrett Cooper, who's currently day-to-day, did not start on Monday's game against the Reds due to an arm injury. We'll have to monitor his status for today. For the Yankees, they announced that Michael King will undergo surgery on his fractured right elbow, and it's possible that he may need Tommy John surgery. For the Oakland Athletics, Seth Brown was placed on the paternity list on Monday. For the Philadelphia Phillies, Jan Segura will begin a rehab assignment Tuesday, according to Phillies interim manager Rob Thompson. And Bryce Harper was not cleared Monday to have the pins removed from his surgically repaired left thumb and will be reevaluated in one week. For the Pirates, Jake Marisnik was placed on the 10-day injury list with a right great toe sprain up. For the San Diego Padres, Mackenzie Gore left Monday's game against Detroit with left elbow soreness. 
CJ Abrams did not start in Monday's game either due to a bicep injury. And Will Myers, uh, they're planning to keep Myers on his minor league rehab assignment for at least a couple more days as he attempts to come back from a knee injury. And finally, Fernando Tatis Jr. took batting practice at City Field over the weekend as he attempts to come back from his wrist injury. For the San Francisco Giants, Tom Stella has joined the team in Arizona but has yet to been activated from the COVID-19 injured list. Evan Longoria has been diagnosed with a grade 1 hamstring strain and is on the 10-day injured list. Matthew Boyd threw a bullpen session on Monday as he attempts to come back from an elbow injury and from the 60-day injured list. Brandon Crawford was cleared to begin a running program on Monday as he attempts to come back from a knee injury. And Mike Yastrzemski was not in the lineup on Monday's game due to a calf injury. He is currently listed as day-to-day. -day. The Seattle Mariners have listed Julio Rodriguez as day-to-day, -day, but he is expected to return uh, to action on Tuesday. Taylor Trammell will begin a rehab assignment in the next few days as he attempts to come back from a hamstring injury. And Justin Winker did not start on Monday against the Rangers due to an ankle injury. He is listed currently as day-to-day. -day. And Mitch Hanniger started in left field during high A efforts loss to Eugene on Sunday. Went one for three of the solo home run for the St. Louis Cardinals. Dakota Hudson was listed as the starting pitcher for Saturday's upcoming game in Washington as he attempts to come back from a neck injury. For the Tampa Bay Rays, both Mike Zunino and Kevin Kiermaier will undergo surgery to repair their respective injuries, and both of them will miss the re remainder of the season. For the Toronto Blue Jays, Yusei Kikuchi covered five scoreless injuries and struck out four in his rehab start Friday with Triple A Buffalo, scattering two hits and three walks in the outing as he attempts to come back from a neck injury. And so that covers all the news and notes for our day. Let's talk about some of the hitters that caught my eye in yesterday's performances. So for the Marlins, J.J. Bladé went one for four with a double and a run scored. It's only been three games as he just got called up, but J.J. Bladé is ready so far with two doubles, a walk, and three hits overall in just eight at-bats. He hit 20 home runs this season at AAA, so it's definitely worth keeping an eye on for a maybe a speculative ad. For the Reds, Jonathan India went three for four with four RBIs, a walk, and two runs scored. He had a home run and a double in this game. He's been hitting 293 with a 396 OBP and a 938 OPS with four home runs and a stolen base over his last 15 games. He's just starting to look like the Jonathan India we all were so excited about coming into this season. If anyone has given up on him in your league, scoop him back up before it's too late. Nixon Zell went one for three with a double. He scored two runs and had a walk as well. And we, you have to wonder if this could be the Senzel we've been waiting for all along. The Senzel who has been promised. Over the, the last 30 games, he's hit 333 with a 388 OBP and an 821 OPS with two home runs and three stolen bases. He's been a 132 WRC plus hitter with a 367 Woba in July. His line drive percent is up nearly 10% over that time. And his launch angle is up five degrees, coming to a total of 16 degrees. Despite that, there is some cause for doubt as his exit velocity is down in July to a paltry 85.6 miles per hour, and he has just a 2.4% barrel rate over that time period, which definitely is a cause for concern. He's available practically everywhere, and I get picking him up if you need the average, but I'd be absolutely ready to bail the first signs of struggling if things start to go downhill. For the Phillies, Alec Baum went 3-for-4 with two runs and a double. Baum has been on fire over the last 30 days, hitting 362 with a 385 OBP and an 876 OPS with two home runs, 16 runs scored 16 RBIs, a double and a triple. His exit velocity, his barrel rate, his hard hit percent, they're all improved along with his fly ball percent and his home run for fly ball percent are way up as well in July, where he's been a 184 WRC plus hitter with a 438 Woba. He's widely available in most leagues, and he's on one of the best offenses in the league. If he's out there, definitely go pick him up. Also for the Phillies, Bryson Stott went 2 for 4 with a home run. That's his 7th home run of the season and 5 RBIs. Stott's showing his first signs of really starting to put it all together at the major league level as he's hit 292 with a 370 OBP and a 708 OPS over his last 7 games with 2 home runs and 8 RBIs. 
he's seen a tick up in his walk percentage and a huge drop in his K percentage, along with improvements in his contact rate, swing strike rate, and his contact rate in the zone, bringing all those numbers up to elite level numbers. I'm not rushing out to pick him up yet, but I'm definitely monitoring closely because if it all starts to click into place, he could be a huge pickup as well. For the Rays, Francisco Mejia with two for four, and Mejia's been hitting really well lately, batting 391 with a home run over his last seven games. There's not going to be a lot of power to Mejia's game, but if you can get average from a catcher, that's huge. If you need it, I definitely suggest picking him up, even if it's only for the short term as he's available in most leagues right now. For the Guardians, Miles Straw went two for four with a run scored. Straw's really turned his season around over his last 15 games. He's hitting 333 with a 382 OBP and an 813 OPS. He hasn't gotten back to stealing too many bases over that time frame, but you have to assume they're coming sooner rather than later. This could be a really big second half pickup if you need the stolen bases. Think of the big impact John Birdie just had doing the same thing. He's only struck out 5.7% of the time in July, so he's seen the ball really right now. For the Tigers, Eric Haas went two for five with a home run and four RBIs. Haas has emerged as a true potential catcher option this season. He's hitting a shocking 322 with a 375 OBP at a 1.007 OPS with six home runs over his last 30 games. He has doubled his walk rate in July up to 13.7% while dropping his K percent all the way down to 21.6%. He stopped chasing out of the zone while hitting the ball in the air while improving his barrel percent and exit velocity and jumping his hard hit rate all the way up to an astounding 54.5%. Definitely should be looking at Eric Haas if you need someone to fill in at catcher. Jamer Candelario went three for four with two home runs, three RBIs, and two runs scored. Uh, Candelario's been rediscovering his old form. He's hitting 350 with a 345 OBP and an 800 OPS with three home runs over his last seven games. He's doubled his walk rate in July while shaving nearly 11% off of his O-swing percentage, which is how often he chases pitches out of the zone. He's making way more contact in the zone as well, and while there is a drop in his launch angle and barrel rate, which causes some concern here, if Candelario is figuring things out and getting back to form, he could be a huge boost to fantasy teams down the stretch. He's widely available. Harold Castro went one for four for the Tigers with two runs scored. And Harold Castro just keeps on hitting and hitting. He's batting 391 with a 417 OBP and a 982 OPS over his last seven games and is hitting 283 on the season. He's hitting eighth in the lineup right now, so it won't really help you much outside of average. But if you need it, he could be really great, especially in deep leagues or AL-only leagues. For the Royals, Michael A. Taylor went two for four with three RBIs. Michael Taylor's not going to give you much beyond average, but he's been good for quite a while now this season. Over his last seven games, he's hit 360 with a 385 OBP and a 520 slugging percentage with a home run, five RBIs. And he could be worth riding the hot streak he's currently on. He has a 10.2% walk rate. That's a career high. He's also seen career highs in average OBP and OPS. One of the major reasons I'm skeptical at last is that we haven't seen any corresponding improvements in any of the StatCast numbers. But definitely, if you're looking to ride the hot streak or see if this continues out through the season, definitely pick him up, especially if you need help in the average department. But I don't know if it's going to continue all year. For the Rockies, Garrett Hampson went two for three with a run scored and a stolen base. Hampson has actually gotten pretty solid playing time in July, and when he has, he's played pretty darn well. Over his last seven games, he's hitting 400 with a 500 OBP and a 600 slug. He's hitting 294 with a 441 slug over his last 15 games. Over that time period, he's stolen four bases. He's seeing a career high in his uh, walk rate while holding his own in average and OBP. He could be a really great source of stolen bases down the stretch, just like I was talking about Miles Straw or how we saw John Birdie do recently. I'm skeptical long-term as there hasn't really been a noticeable change in his stat cast numbers from years past. But the one thing I do see that he's doing more this year is he's, he's hitting to the middle of the field more often, which in Coors, since it's so big, it can be huge for the Astros. Chaz McCormick went two for four with a home run and a double with two RBIs and a run scored. He has been on fire the last seven games, hitting 348 with 444 OBP and a 1.096 OPS with two home runs. He has an 888 OPS over his last 15 games and 828 OPS with five home runs over his last 30 games. In July, he has a 17.5% walk rate while nearly having his O-swing percent from the previous 
previous mark. He also improved his contact rate and swing strike rate over that time period as well. His 15% barrel rate in July and his 52.5 hard hit percent in July are major improvements, as is his 15.1 degree launch angle and 93.2 mile per hour exit velocity over that time period. I would definitely be looking to add McCormick in this case. For the Diamondbacks, Josh Rojas went two for four with an RBI and a walk and three stolen bases. This is the hitter we fell in love with last year. He's hit 304 over his last seven games. He's hit 302 over his last 15 games and 308 over his last 30 games. And last year, he hit 264 with 11 home runs, 32 doubles and nine stolen bases in 139 games. And that's what we're getting again this year, only with better average. So it's really fun to see him back healthy and playing well. He's available in a ton of leagues. And if you want to pick up a guy who over a season would be a 15-15 guy with average upside, you should be adding this guy down the stretch. He's available in a ton of leagues. Go pick him up. Alec Thomas went one for four with an RBI and a run scored and a walk. Alec Thomas is finally showing some of that huge potential we'd heard about as he was coming up. He's hitting 348 with a 423 OBP and a 435 slugging percentage over his last seven games. He's really starting to show some of that contact and his ability to drive the ball. The real cause for concern, though, is he has just a 1.9% of barrel rate in July. There also is exit velocity, launch angle, and hard hit percent are down, but definitely could be worth picking up if you need a less reliable version of what you're going to get out of Rojas. David Peralta for the Diamondbacks went two for three with a double, a run scored, and a walk. Peralta's finally started showing signs of his former self. Over his last seven games, he's hitting 350 with a 417 OBP and a 600 slugging percentage with a home run. He's pulling the ball 43.3% of the time in July. His barrel rate is nearly double what it was the year before. His launch angle is up nearly 12 degrees to 17 degrees total, along with a 45.5% hard hit rate and a career-high 46% fly ball rate. Uh, this is going to end up creating big numbers rest of the season if he keeps hitting at this rate. I would be sprinting to pick up David Peralta if I needed outfield help right now. Carson Kelly also for the Diamondbacks went two for four with two doubles, two runs scored, and two RBIs. This is another catcher who's been absolutely on fire. He's hit 455 with a 500 OBP and a 909 slugging percentage over his last seven games and has been hitting 281 over his last 30 games. He's barely rostered anywhere. because cut his K% down almost 10% in July with big improvements in his exit velocity, nearly doubling his barrel percent and his hard hit percent rate to elite levels. If you need catcher help, Carson Kelly could finally be putting it all together, and that's really exciting. Go pick him up. For the Rangers, I'm just going to keep saying it over and over. Nathaniel Law went two for four with a home run and a double. That's his 14th home run on the season. He, he had an RBI and a run in this game. Uh, somehow he's still out there in a ton of leagues. And is he an elite hitter? No. But it's been about two months now of really solid production at first base. You should pick him up if you need help there at all. So that's the hitters that caught my eye. Now on to the pitchers. So Trevor Rogers pitched for the Marlins and had an abysmal outing, went 3.2 innings pitched, was giving up six earned runs with just five strikeouts and two walks. I think it's time to give up on 2022 Trevor Rogers. He's just been too inconsistent, and even the good starts have been too shaky for us to really rely on them. I'll probably be back on him next year, or at least curious. I'll be watching him throughout spring training. But for this year, I think I'm out. So I understand dropping him if you need to. For the Reds, Nick Lodolo when six innings pitched with nine strikeouts, two walks. It just looked fantastic. It was a really impressive start for Lodolo. He's actually been pretty solid in July outside of one start since he came back from injury. But I, I have some concerns about his whip. So I love the strikeouts, but I do have some concerns. He gets the Red Hot Orioles for his next start. So I'm probably avoiding him there. But I'm definitely keeping an eye on Lodolo the rest of the season to see if he's starting to put it all together now that he's healthy. For the Phillies, Ranger Suarez went five innings pitched with giving up three runs, none of them earned, and getting four strikeouts. He's actually been really stellar over his last seven games. He's had a 285 ERA over that time period with 30 strikeouts and 41 innings pitched with a 120 whip. And he started relying more on his curveball, and it's really helped both his curveball and his slider start to get better results. He's throwing way more strikes right now. He gets the Pirates in his next start, and so I'm starting him there for sure. He's out there in a lot of leagues. Go get him for Saturday's start. You'll be glad you did. For the Rays, Corey Kluber went five innings pitch, gave up four, uh, gave five runs, four of them earned with two strikeouts. 
I don't know what it is with the Orioles, but Kluber struggled almost every time he's faced the Orioles this season. He's facing them back-to-back starts, and that doesn't help either. And they've hit him hard in both of them. I do believe in Kluber rest of season. He gets the Guardians next on Saturday, and I'd like to start him there against his former team. But the Guardians, Zach Blezak, made what might be his last start for the Guardians, throwing five innings pitched with three earned runs and four strikeouts against the Red Sox. It's nice to see him bounce back after some rough starts in Detroit and Kansas City, where he gave up nine runs, six of them earned, and 8.2 innings pitched across two starts. Blezak is the streaky pitcher. I think he gets in and out of stretches where he's good and where he's bad. And there are rumors he probably will be pitching for a different team when we get to the trade deadline, which could be worrying depending on where he ends up, or it could be a good thing. We'll just have to wait and see where he ends up. If he stays in Cleveland, he gets the raise next, and I definitely wouldn't be starting him there either. For the Red Sox, on the other side of that game, Nick Pavetta was great. He went 5.2 innings pitched, giving up just one earned run, striking out six. Pavetta struggled mightily coming into this game in his last six starts, but he dominated the Guardians in this one, and hopefully that gets him back on track, gets him pitching like it was earlier in the season. It's worth noting that in those six previous starts, when he faced the Yankees twice in a row, the Rays, Toronto, Cleveland, and St. Louis. So that might help explain some of the struggles uh, outside Cleveland. That's some pretty real, uh, very good explosive offenses, so it's not surprising that he struggled there. He gets Milwaukee next, and while I might sit him for that one, I totally get starting him there, too, as that isn't exactly an elite overpowering offense either. The Pirates, JT Brubaker, went six innings pitched, giving up two earned runs and striking out four. Brubaker's actually been really good over his last seven starts. He has a 305 ERA over his last seven starts with 41 strikeouts and 41.1 innings pitched. Obviously, I'm skeptical he can continue this long term as long as I keep seeing that 1.45 whip up there. It's always going to make me nervous starting him, but it does demonstrate his upside as a streamer in the right situation. He gets Philly next. That is not one of those situations. For the Cubs, Adrian Sampson went seven innings pitched, giving up two earned runs and striking out three. Sampson's been great this season, and he's been especially great recently. He has a 3.29 ERA over his last seven starts. And actually, over his last 15 starts, he has a 3.2 ERA. So he's been really great. His whip is low at a 1.17. He's just been very, really good and consistent this season. He's only given up more than three runs in a start once. And a big reason why he's been so good is the emergence of his changeup and his slider as legitimate pitches to complement each other, as well as a huge jump up in his first pitch strike percentage, which if you listen to me a lot, I'm a huge proponent of first pitch strike percent. I'm on board. He gets San Francisco next in San Francisco. So I'm probably starting there, but I also get waiting to see how he does. The Angels know Syndergaard went 5.2 innings pitched with an earned run, two walks, and six strikeouts. Outside of two disaster starts on June 20th and May 31st, Syndergaard's actually been really solid, if unspectacular, for most of the year. Despite that, though, I still see him mostly as just a streamer. I need to see more consistency so I know what kind of pitcher he'll be before I recommend fully picking him up. He gets Texas next. I'm probably skipping that start for him, but keep an eye on Noah Syndergaard if you ever need a streamer. For the Royals, Zach Greinke went five innings pitched with five strikeouts and no earned runs given up. Since coming back from the injured list, he's mostly been pretty good with a one supremely bad six earned run start against the Astros marring his numbers over that time period. But he's been really consistent and really good. It's all about the matchup. Who's he facing? He gets the Yankees next, so I won't be using him in that start. But again, it could be a really great streaming option in the right situation. For the Brewers, Aaron Ashby, who's seven innings pitched, gave up two earned runs with nine strikes. He's been pretty good over his last four starts. Mine's a real rough start on July 17th against the Giants. He was incredible in this one. Everything he was throwing was working. And when he is, when he does have everything working for him, he's going to be an absolute boost to your uh, fantasy lineups. The hard part is he's a high ceiling, low floor starter option. So I would recommend picking up Aaron Ashby, if nothing else, to stash his bench and start in the right situations. The talent is absolutely there. For his next start, he gets the up and down Red Sox next. And I think about starting him there, but I also keep an eye on the Sox leading up to it to see if they're getting healthy, if they're starting to get hot again. But for right now, I would be starting him in that game. 
For the Giants, Jake Junis went 4.1 innings pitched with one earned run and two strikeouts and a walk. Junis has been really great this season. It's been a really fun thing to watch him turn his season around as he's got a 2.98 ERA on the season. A big part of Junis' success uh, this season is due to him increasing the slider percentage. He's throwing 54.4% of the time. He's throwing his changeup 15.2% of the time. So he's using his off-speed and breaking pitches the majority of the time, and it's really worked out well for him. He gets the Cubs next. I'm definitely starting him there, too. For the Mariners, Chris Flexen went six innings pitched with two earned runs and five strikeouts with two walks. Four of his last five starts have been quality starts. The whip will always make him a bit of a blow-up risk on any given start, but he's a much higher floor than most streaming options you come across. Now, he gets Houston next. I'm not starting him there, but I definitely, Chris Flexen throughout the season is going to be a really valuable pitcher for you due to that high floor. So that is the pitchers that I noticed from yesterday that really stood out to me. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show back with the weather Fantastic. Welcome back, everybody. Let's jump over and talk, check in with Mark Paquette as he gives us the download on the weather for Tuesday. Thank you very much. Well, yesterday we had some close calls in Philly, Baltimore, and Boston, but today it doesn't look like anything to be overly concerned about and certainly nothing like you're watching in those areas. The one game where there could be a few spotty showers and thunderstorms, but generally they stay in the mountains to their west is in Denver, where the Rockies will be hosting the White Sox. Again, I'm not expecting anything major here, but at least something to monitor as we go throughout the day. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Mark. Now, to wrap things up here, I want to talk about what I'm looking forward to watching today in baseball. So first off, Spencer Strider is going toe-to-toe with Aaron Nola as the Braves face the Phillies, and that's going to be a heck of a pitching matchup. I'm really looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. The Mets are facing the Yankees. Every time, Subway Series is must-see TV, so definitely going to be checking that game out. Luis Garcia is going up against Frankie Monta, so it should be a pretty fun pitching matchup there as Houston takes on Oakland. The Orioles have been playing fantastic baseball lately. Can Shane McClanahan slow them down in this game today? If anyone could, he can. And then for hitters, I'm looking to stream. I like any of the Cubs against the Pirates, so because they'll be facing Brian Wilson, who's been awful so far this season. The Cardinals, any Cardinals hitters against Jose Barrios, who's really struggled this season. Any Padres, so Jarek's the Profar or anything like that, against Garrett Hill. Any of the White Sox you can pick up uh, against Herman Marquez. And any of the Giants against Tyler Gilbert. For pitchers I'm looking to stream, I really, depending on how he feels, obviously he's just coming off the COVID list, but it is a good matchup for Josh Winkowski going up against the Guardians. Keegan Thompson against the Pirates might be my favorite, though. And then Mitch White against the Nationals. Those are all some really nice matchups that I see if you're looking for a pitcher to stream for today. So that's everything we've got. Thank you so much, everybody, for for listening. And we'll see you later in the week. Thank you so much. 
This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.